Before we get started with today's show, just a reminder, if you're not on our Facebook group, go ahead and join it today. It's facebook.com backslash this story is nuts podcast. And if you have a story suggestion, I would love to hear it. Send me an email at this story is nuts at gmail.com. After the death of her first husband, teen author Helen Bailey struggled to deal. She found solace in a group aimed at helping people deal with their grief after the loss of loved ones. It was while in this group that Helen would meet Ian, a man she would later write about and call the gorgeous gray-haired widower. Helen was certain she had finally found her happiness. But unfortunately, it was not to be. What Helen didn't know was that Ian wasn't her picture-perfect man. In fact, Ian Stewart was anything but. Hi, I'm your host, Missy, and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. Fifty-one-year-old Helen Bailey was born a writer. She admitted that through her high school days that instead of focusing on lessons, she often daydreamed of being anywhere but, longing to be doing other things. When she would return home from Potland High School, she would write pages and pages in her diary about, quote, who did what to whom and usually why she wasn't a part of it. After graduating high school, Helen had the intent to become a forensic scientist. However, she would change her mind shortly after and begin a career in media, working on licensing and marketing for cartoon characters such as Snoopy, Rugrats, Garfield, and even some work with Nintendo. At 23, when Helen was working as a temp secretary, she met the head of the licensing company, a man named John Sinfield. Helen and John would soon marry, and Helen would throw herself into a writing career that would soon take off. Her books, which were called by some teen angst novels, were a series of novels entitled The Crazy World of Electra Brown. The series would go on to win Helen the title Queen of Teen, an award she won in 2010. Helen would go on to publish a total of 22 books, ranging from children's picture books, short stories, and young adult novels. In 2011, the overworked couple had decided they needed a break and they agreed to revisit Barbados, the island in which they had gotten married. On February 27th, John would insist on going out for a swim and walked out into the ocean. Minutes later, Helen would hear her husband call out for help, but by this point, it was too late. He had been dragged into a rip current. John Sinfield drowned, leaving Helen a widow after 15 years of marriage and 22 years together. Helen, overcome by her grief, would turn to writing, the only way she knew how to cope. Helen would begin a blog, though in interviews later she would admit that the blog wasn't truly started to help others through their pain. It was just a way for her to deal and process hers. In turn, it ended up helping other people deal with the loss of their loved ones as well. It was a safe place to talk and share with other people 
feelings that you might not be able to share with the family and friends. The blog called Planet Grief is actually still up, though it doesn't seem to have much activity on it nowadays, but I will actually post a link to the blog in our source material for today's episode. The response from the blog actually encouraged Helen to go on to write a book, a book entitled When Bad Things Happen in Good Bikinis. Ian Stewart was also grieving his wife, Diane, when he found the Planet Grief website. Ian had found Diane unresponsive in the garden of the couple's home in 2010. It was believed that Diane had suffered from an epileptic fit. At first, Ian and Helen were just friends, but soon, Ian began love-bombing Helen. Now, if you don't know what love-bombing is, um, the definition actually says, lavishing with attention. And soon, Helen would respond. She would fall for this man that she would soon call the gorgeous gray-haired widower. Within two years, the two would sell their homes and move into a massive estate in Royston together. As quickly as they moved in was as quickly as Ian would propose, and Helen would say yes. The couple would share their home with Ian's two sons named Jamie and Oliver, and with Helen's dash hound, Boris. Helen was quoted to have said that she thought that she had found her happily ever after. But something quickly changed as soon as Ian and Helen moved in together and Helen's health was growing a bit concerning. Helen was beginning to feel forgetful and tired all the time. Computer searches later on would give a glimpse into her state of mind, with her internet searches including terms such as, I'm so tired, falling asleep at work, and falling asleep in the afternoon. In April of 2016, Ian Stewart would tell Helen's family that she had needed a break and had left to a cottage that she owned in Broadstairs. However, her family grew concerned when Helen would not answer their phone calls, and no one had spoken to Helen in days. That concern led Helen's brother to take the trip to the cottage to look for Helen, only discovering that it was apparent no one had been there at all, in what looked like a really long time. Not only that, but their concern also grew when they learned that Helen had not taken her car either. With a growing concern over Helen's whereabouts, Ian Stewart called 999 to report his fiance missing. Although when asked the most basic questions, such as Helen's birthday or eye color, Ian could not seem to remember. He told the 999 operator that Helen had left a note that she was going to the cottage and that she had taken her dog Boris with her. Helen Bailey was last seen walking her dog on the morning of April 11, 2016, and police would begin a search of the area she was last seen in. But even after searching hundreds of hours of CCT footage and scanning the area, police came up empty-handed. Friends and family were concerned that something very sinister had happened to their loved one. And soon, police would begin to suspect the same. Police were beginning to suspect that Ian Stewart knew more than he was letting on. Activity in Helen's bank account did show that funds, which had normally been 400 pounds a month, put into the couple's joint account, had been changed from 400 to 6,000 pounds a month, and that a life insurance policy had also recently been taken out on Helen, as well as the fact that she had just changed her will, making Ian Stewart power of attorney. Police would interview Ian, who could not seem to remember where he was the day that Helen went missing. And they would also do a massive search of the $1.5 million home that the two owned. 
Though they couldn't find anything to tie in to murder, suspicion was enough. And three months after Helen's disappearance on July 16, 2011, Ian Stewart was arrested for suspicion of murder. Shortly after his arrest, a neighbor came forward with the suspicion of her own, noting that the house that Ian and Helen had shared had previously had a well under it that was made into a cesspool. The neighbor thought that maybe police should check the area for Helen's body. And I'm sorry, guys, this part just really sucks because it was there in the cesspool amongst the sewage. The police would find the body of Helen Bailey alongside her dog, Boris. Once the body was discovered, Ian Stewart tried to claim that Helen had been kidnapped and that the kidnappers had wanted a ransom of 50,000 pounds and that he hadn't told police because he had wanted her safe return. Police didn't believe his story. It was later determined that Ian had been drugging Helen with a sleeping pill called Zapoclone for months prior to her death and that he had suffocated her when she was too drowsy to fight him off. It was also quite possible that Helen had still been alive when she was dumped in the cesspool. On February 22, 2017, just a month after Ian Stewart's trial began, he was found guilty for Helen's murder and sentenced to life in prison with a minimum that he must serve 34 years. And maybe that's where today's story would have ended, but it isn't. You see, when investigators were looking into the disappearance slash murder of Helen Bailey, there was something they hadn't quite forgotten. You see, Helen wasn't the first person who had died around Ian Stewart. And investigators knew they needed to re-examine the death of Ian's first wife, Diane Stewart. Ian and Diane met in the early 80s when they both attended the same university, after Ian stole the chip off of Diane's plate. By 1986, the two would be married, and the two would go on to have two sons, Jamie and Oliver, in which neighbors of the couple claimed to Diane loved very much. Your everyday couple next door, Diane and Ian, would be social and friendly, though they were having some marital problems by 2010. Nothing that anyone thought was too serious, though, so that when Ian Stewart found his wife Diane unconscious and slumped in the garden, no one really suspected Ian of being responsible. Ian claimed that when he found Diane, he immediately performed CPR, but it wasn't working. So he would run down the street to the neighbor's house, who was a doctor, to get help. When he found the neighbor wasn't home, he returned to perform CPR yet again, and then finally call 999, a mere 25 minutes after he first found her. By then it was too late, and Ian had told police that he believed his wife of 28 years had suffered an epileptic fit. You see, Diane had had fits in the past, though it had been 18 years since her last one, and she was still taking medicine to keep them under control. So according to experts, the likelihood of this actually being Diane's cause of death is about 1 in 100,000. Unfortunately, however, the assistant coroner recorded Diane's death as death due to natural causes brought on by unexplained death in epilepsy. What Ian Stewart had not counted on, though, was the fact that Diane Stewart had donated her brain to scientific research in the event of her death. It was then, as researchers took a look at Diane's brain, they found out that she had been suffocated. Tests on Diane's tissue and brain sample 
indicate that she had actually been suffocated for likely up to an hour before her death. Ian Stewart's motive for murder for both Helen and Diane was more than likely money. Investigators discovered that after Diane's death, he made 96,607 pounds, and after Helen's, he was looking at receiving a total of 1.8 million pounds. As Ian sat in prison for the murder of Helen Bailey, he went to trial for the murder of Diane Stewart, and in February of 2022, it only took jurors 9 hours and 50 minutes to convict him of murder for the second time. He will spend the rest of his life in prison with no possibility of release. In with today's source material, I will also post that link for Planet Grief, which was Helen's blog site that she started. And if you're curious to go over there and check it out, although it's not very active anymore, it's still up. So if you're really interested. And I'm also going to post a couple of video links as well. I'm going to post the 999 call, which I found on YouTube. And then I do actually want to post another, just a video that I found that I didn't really use so much for source material. But it's just a video of Helen talking about grief. And I found it very interesting. So I'm actually going to share that with you today as well. And once again, if you want to talk about this case or any other case, pop on our Facebook group. It's facebook.com backslash this story is nuts podcast. Even if you're already a part of the group, join a conversation, start a conversation. Um, let us know what you think about the stories or, you know, this one was a solved one, but you know, some of them are unsolved and I would love to hear theories. So if you have any theories or anything that you want to talk about, go ahead and pop on that Facebook group. Otherwise, if you have a story suggestion or a personal story that you want to share with the show, you can do that too. It's this story is nuts at gmail.com. I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. This one got a little heavy in some parts and I'm super sorry about that. At least for me, um, when I was researching this case, some of it got a little heavy for me. So thank you for tuning in and bearing through. That's not, that's not beauty in true crime for sure. Come back next week for an all new episode of This Story is Nuts, which drops every single Wednesday at midnight. So come back next week. And until then, stay naughty, my friends.
This Story's Nuts was written and produced by Missy Reese with music by Logan Reese off of Groovepad.